Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm summertime, fun time, guest bailiff, Monty Belmonte. This week, no glow contendere. Michelle brings the case against her husband, Rob. Rob is restoring an old grandfather clock to make it usable as a display case. Michelle would like to display her uranium glass collection in the clock under a black light. But Rob thinks adding a black light will look tacky. Will Michelle's black-lit uranium make Rob's grandfather clock come to life like Charlie Bucket's golden ticket made his derelict grandfather come back to life? Or will the black light make the grandfather clock look tacky like the 2022 film Black Light made the grandfatherly aged actor Liam Neeson look tacky? Only one can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom and presents an obscure cultural reference. Yeah, I made a paper mache walrus. I made a scoprion. And then I thought, if I can make whatever I want, why not make a creature that doesn't exist? So I made a unihorn. Summertime, fun time, guest bail of Monty Bill Monty, please swear the litigants in. Michelle and Rob, please rise. Rob, raise your hour hand. Michelle, raise your minute hand. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you Cogsworth from Beauty and the Beast, or that glow-in-the-dark doors poster I had in my teenage bedroom, or whatever? Wowie zowie. I do. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that his honor brings a black light to every hotel he's booked in, but not to look for icky bodily fluids, simply to divine for potential uranium mines? I do. Yes. Judge Hodgman, you may proceed. Wow, Monty Belmonte. Not, not merely making a meal out of it. It was a, it was a whole New England clam bake. <laughs> of puns and 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 extra jokes. It's great to be back. I'm back in Maine, Monty. I'm back in New England. Good to be here back in WERU 89.9 FM, broadcasting from the solar-powered studios here in Orland, Maine, to the entire Blue Hill Peninsula and the world, and the world. at WERU.org. And Monty Belmonte, there, you're out there in Western Massachusetts. Of course, Monty, you are the host of the fabulous 413, an afternoon uh, talk and feature show exploring everything that's great about the Pioneer Valley, Western Mass, and beyond. How's everything going there? Amazing. Tomorrow we're going to Tanglewood, and we might get to interview John Williams, so I'm very excited. Wowie zowie. Yeah, very famous musical composer. Oh, Michelle and Rob, you're here too. We are. Joining us from Seattle, I believe. And what is your public radio station? We are here at KUOW. Yeah, I I love KUOW and I've I've been in those studios as well, and uh, they're very gracious and very clean over there. KUOW. All right, now I'm settled. I got to settle back in to Maine. The pace of Maine, Joel. What's the pace of Maine? Pretty slow. Pretty slow. That's right. All I know about Maine is murder. She wrote. What was the name of the town where she where all those murders took place? Oh. Cabot Cove. Oh, there Not you a go. real place in Maine. Not a real place in Maine. And actually, not as many murders in Maine as you might think watching that show. Oh, that's disappointing. But now you may be seated for an immediate summary judgment in one of your favors. Can either of you remember the cultural reference that I quoted as I entered this courtroom? I remember that the last word was unihorn. But that's not the word you should be listening for. Mm, okay. 
I'm giving you a big hint. Oh. Michelle, you got a guess where that comes from? I really have no clue. So I'm going to go with an old favorite, uh, Batman, the animated series. Batman, the animated series. I don't think I've ever done a quote from Batman, the animated series, and I should. should. Terrific cartoon. Terrific cartoon. All right, Rob, your your turn. What do you guess? I, I'm going to go with Labyrinth. Pretty confident that's not it, but I don't know. You, you know, these normally, these uh, cultural references have some perhaps tenuous, but always some connection to the case at hand. Was there a word that jumped out at you when I read that? I'm assuming Scoprion. Scoprion. Exactly. Look, I'll reveal the answer to you. That is from the Casper Hauser comedy podcast, a maximum fun podcast. One of their best episodes, episode 11. It was their parody of this American life. And Rob Bedeker does an incredible Ira Glass. And after interviewing Dan, Dan had placed this guy who, who makes these paper mache animals, including a paper mache unicorn. He plays this guy, Roger. And Dan Bedeker is Ira Glass after that goes, Roger is one of a small group of fantasy animalists who believe it shouldn't be called a unicorn. It should be called a unicorn. Because what does it have one of? A horn or a corn? Really, really, really funny. Really funny. And all still available over there at MaximumFun.org. The Casper Hauser comedy podcast. Casper Hauser, terrific sketch comedy group. And the reason that I read this was because I love them so much and I, I wish they would make more podcasts. But also, because even though all of that is very funny and a unicorn instead of unicorn is very funny, I always think of Scoprion. For some reason, he says, I made a Scoprion and there's no reason whatsoever this guy can't pronounce Scorpion. <laughs> and it just makes me laugh every time. Scoprion. Now, what would a Scorpion have to do with the case at hand? Your uranium glass collection and your grandfather clock. Any guesses? I, I believe that scorpions uh, fluoresce yep. under UV light. Mm -hmm. That is correct. Much like uranium glass mm -hmm. and like those incredible black light posters they used to sell at Spencer's Gifts in the, in the Chestnut Hill Mall and other malls around the world, scoprions fluoresce. They, they light up under long ultraviolet ray lights, black lights as we call them. So, yes, that was the connection. You made, you made the connection. Good for you, Michelle. You are the one who collects the uranium glass, correct? That's correct. Yeah, so you know about things lighting up in black light. But I can't, I can't give the case to you as a result because you didn't name the Casper Hauser Comedy Podcast. That was the answer I was looking for. So, Michelle, you are the one who, who collects the uranium glass. Are you the one who seeks justice in the court? I am. And what is the nature of your complaint? Uh, so I do have a small collection of uranium glass that... I hope to enhance. And I feel the only correct way to display it is under a black light. Uh, and so I feel like that is what it should be. Who's standing in your way, Rob? Yes, Rob, my husband. So what's your complaint against Rob? That he uh, is refusing to install a black light in this cabinet uh, that he is putting together for the uranium glass. Rob, how do you respond? Um... It's not that it's not the installation of a blacklight in the cabinet. It is primarily the um, ins installation of the blacklight in the cabinet and keeping it in our in our dining room and having it on uh, 365 days a year. That is that is concerning to me. And we're not we're not just uh, we're not just talking about any cabinet here. Right. We're talking about what a grandfather clock. Correct. So we found a grandfather clock on the side of the road. 
um, yeah. that, uh, you know, it's innards were, all the time. were not in, <laughs> yes, it's innards were not in good shape. Um, we actually have another chiming clock in our dining room, like a, um, a wall clock. So I wasn't, why, while I was um, enthusiastic about the, the grandfather clock, I didn't really yeah. feel like we needed another clock in the same room. Michelle eventually convinced me that it would be a good idea to to transform the clock into a display cabinet, which I, I do woodworking, so I'm I'm you know I'm happy to to make that happen. And then she later, um, you know, gave the idea of we should we should you know turn it into a display cabinet specifically for the uranium class, install black lights, and then um, I believe the um, theory is that we should have them on a timer that comes on, you know evening every day at desk to make sure that they glow um and i'm a bit concerned about having uh a, you know the the typical black light glow in our dining room every day because it looks like a crummy dorm room exactly yeah. that that is not the vibe that i that i'd like for my di- dining room monty judge they're picking up grandfather clocks from the side of the road and collecting uranium glass <laughs> <laughs> my kind of nerds they're living the they're living the dream in Seattle. Absolutely. Joel, what's the most interesting thing you ever found by the side of the road in Maine? You can get so much good free stuff on the side of the road. Like what? Um grandfather I, clock? One time I saw a sign that just said free. And you took the sign? Yeah. All right. <laughs> in Abbott Cove, you can find a grandfather by the side of the road. Yeah. No, you know what they have in Cabot Cove? Corpses. That's all they have by the side of the road in Cabot Cove. Corpses. You, you you two are are married to one another. Is that correct? We are. Yes. Do you have kids? We do. We have one ten uh, year old. An only child. An only child. Yes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> only child with the most interesting parents in Seattle. I love it. <laughs> you guys are having a good time. We do try. Michelle, uranium glass. I'm going to take a wild guess and figure that most of our listeners aren't intimately familiar with the craft of uranium glass. What is it and what and what what makes it special? Right. Well, so it it is kind of what it sounds like. Um, I believe it was most popular in the 1920s, but sort of started being made in the the late 1800s. Um, And it's glass that was made and infused with small amounts of uranium. Um, So it's why would why would someone do this? Is it part of a murder scheme, a slow murder? Do no. we have to send in uh, Angela Lansbury? <laughs> um, no, I, it was just apparently uranium and things glowing was very trendy right then around the turn of the century. Uh, there were maybe some things they didn't know um, about that, but uh, it was really popular to have. And so it, it's sort of a it's exactly what you would think. It's a bright green color. Um, sometimes it's a little more uh, translucent and they call that Vaseline glass. Uh, because it sort of looks like Vaseline has been molded into something. And uh, and isn't the uranium dangerous? According to the internet, <laughs> the the amount okay. in uranium glass is so low that it is not a danger. But as, on the other hand, how many pieces of uranium glass would you say you have? Ballpark. We have three right now. Ballpark three. Three, three <laughs> yes. pieces. <laughs> and did they all come from the same estate sale or whatever? No, they've been gathered from various estate sales or antique stores. And we're, are you the original owner? No, no, definitely not. Would it be would it be safe to guess that the original owners are all dead? Almost certainly, yes. 
because because of the uranium glass serial killer or because when you say the turn of the century, you mean 1899 to 1900, not 1999 to 2000. Good point. Yes, I do mean 1899 to 1900. They were were an old timey decorative glassware. What are the shapes of the, the three pieces that you've got? What do you got, like a candy bowl? Yes, there are three actually candy bowls. Those are very common. Uh, you sent in you sent in a photo of uh, your uranium glass collection, your three candy bowls. Yes. These images are available, obviously, at the show page at MaximumFun.org, as well as our Instagram account at Judge John Hodgman. These don't look like Vaseline to me. The, the one in front is uh, is a Vaseline glass, the shorter, stubbier one. That would be the Vaseline glass, because the other ones are more opaque, sort of yellow. What would you call those? Um, snot glass? We could. <laughs> do they have a do they have a terminology or uh, not that I'm aware of? I think it's just uranium glass. Because there's custard glass, jadeite glass, depression glass, and Burmese glass that I see here mm-hmm. on the uranium glass Wikipedia page. I'm going to take a guess and say semi opaque or opaque pale yellow would be custard glass, and opaque or semi opaque pale green is jadeite. Ooh. Which which would you think it is? I I would say they're jadeite using those definitions. There's no mention of Vaseline glass on the on the Wikipedia. There is. Oh yeah yeah there is. Don't worry, I just put it in. I'm editing the pages we speak. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's in there. They look like very nice pieces. How did how did you start collecting them? Um, I think we saw one of them. I don't remember which came first, but saw it either at an estate sale or an antique store and. I was always aware that Vaseline glass or uranium glass was a thing, thought it was really cool. And since it was a small piece that was affordable, decided to go for it. I don't want to be rude, but how much are we talking? Oh, maybe like $15. You're not into uranium glass to strike it rich at the Antiques no. Roadshow. You're just in it. You're just in it for the Vaseline shaped candy bowl. Exactly. And for things to glow. You say you were aware that uranium glass was a thing. I was not. And I know a lot of a lot of weird things. When did you first hear about this this glow up class? I honestly I don't know. Um, I do so. I have I have sort of a glass collection that goes beyond this. Um, okay. At my home, um, I inherited a a milk glass collection from my grandmother. And milk glass, you mean it, it's opaque glassware that's in a milky color not exactly just white for milk right gotcha. no yes it's it's a white uh opaque glass yeah i'm looking at your collection here it looks like you've got quite a few looks like a uh, coffee cups or tea teacups mm-hmm. quite a few platters a couple of goblets yes. a, a huge inc- incredible punch bowl i gotta tell you right there that's right yes those were all purchased uh, using S&H green stamps by my grandmother in the, the 50s and the 60s. By your grandmother. I was like, yes. how, how retro is Michelle? That she's actually <laughs> buying things with S&H green stamps. Who takes those in this day and age? You also have a, a baby cup, which is not milk glass, with two handles. Uh, it is a baby cup featuring scenes from Peter Rabbit. I believe it is. That, that belonged to Rob as a baby. It did. It did. Your oh, mother gave that Rob, to me because it seems to me it belonged to me, John Hodgman. Oh, you think I know all about these uh, Peter Rabbit uh, double handle baby's cups? Because uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm a, a, an enthusiast. No, I had I had that cup. Where'd you get it? Did you take it from my home, Rob? I, 
maybe my mom did. I mean, if <laughs> if Michelle got it from my mom, I, I can't speak to her whereabouts during your childhood. That would be, I wish Angela Lansbury were around to solve this mystery, because that would be one cozy mystery. And then you have another collection that I'm looking at here. These trays. Yes. What are these trays all about? Uh, these are called, I hope I'm saying it correctly, Korok trays. I've seen trays like this. In fact, Michelle, these are black trays. Mm -hmm. uh, they're almost like, um, there's some kind of composite material, maybe yes. like Bakelite or something. And inlaid into the trays are little figures. Mm -hmm. And there's one that has a little figure of a red cardinal, mm -hmm. which I also have that one. So <laughs> what is happening? When I'm in Maine, do you, do you both fly to my home in New York and steal from me? I, I think we'd have to put Angela Lansbury on that case. I can't give any more information. <laughs> Rest in power, Jessica Fletcher. <laughs> You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you, the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad. And I got one for my mother-in-law. And it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up, seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024. 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, Imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University 
Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babel. One study found that using Babel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. So, Michelle, you have a lot of collections. I do. Yes, I admit it. And you know there is a longstanding precedent that the difference between a hoard and a collection is a display case. That is true, yes. Uh, I see that your milk glass is tidily mm-hmm. arranged in cabinetry, yes. which is good. Uh, your Korok tray collection is spread out all over the dining room table. The tray collection is currently uh, homeless. So, the, so you don't have a display case for your Korok collection. No, no, not yet. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait a minute. Now, now spoons, travel spoons, too? Most of the spoons have a have a home, correct? They're maybe not displayed is the, the set of 10 or 15 that have... There is some overflow. That is correct. Rob, does Michelle have a problem with collecting? Uh, she has a problem with not stopping collecting. I, I'm supportive of starting the collections. Um, but they they do not have a stopping point, which is which is a concern for for the the small uranium glass collection today. Are there any other collections that I need to know about, Michelle, besides the spoons, the milk glass, the trays and the the beginnings of a uranium glass collection? Uh, I believe that you should know about Rob's weird collection, which Here is, we go, uh, which is also <laughs> pictured. Tell me, you got to, you got to tell, you got to tell me that he collects uh, Lazy Susans, Michelle. You know why? <laughs> Turnabout is fair play. Go get him. We do have a pretty sizable hot sauce selection uh, collection on a Lazy Susan on the middle of our dining room table. Yep. I, it's featured in several of these photos, yeah. and I yeah. and I pre- I appreciate that. <laughs> what what are Rob's collections? So I'll I'll start with what I find the normal collection. He collects um, wooden boxes, sort of inlaid, um, you know, puzzle boxes, that kind of thing. Um, so he's they're they're quite lovely. I fully support that. It goes with his woodworking hobby. I see the photos of them here. They're yes. they're very nice, Rob. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. And they're arranged they're arranged on a desk in a nice way. But also, Rob, I want to ask you. There's a little. There's a little. Like a little bust, a little sculpture, and maybe in wood. Who's that? That is a uh, wooden bust of Batman that I uh, <laughs> that I made as a <laughs> a test carve on my uh, CNC router um, that I that I use for woodworking. You know, normally, and I can say this from experience, in a household where there are uh, two parents and uh, one child, an only child. It's the only child who's the lovable weirdo. The two parents are normals. <laughs> but the, the two of you, I mean, I can't, either, either your child is the, the most lovable weirdest of all time or the most square individual I will ever meet. I'd say he's pretty normal. Yeah, he's actually, he's pretty, pretty normal, pretty yeah. straight edge. Yeah. Uh, definitely a rule follower. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's an only child. Of course, he's going to follow the rules. I just mean to say his eccentricity level for him to rebel against his parents, he's going to have to 
rid himself of every eccentricity of all kind and just be the most norm core human of all kind of all time. If you were to rebel, of course, only children don't tend to rebel either. So he is at a Foley camp this week, though. So I think we've got him <laughs> on the road to weirdo. Pretty, Wait, pretty you mean he's, he's at a camp for Foley artistry? That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Joel, you know what Foley artistry is? No, I don't. Monty, can you explain it to Joel? Because I'm just taking this in. It's the sound effects used in movies. So, you know, you might have a giant sheet of metal and rumble it to make a thunder sound. That could be considered old-timey Foley technology. Are they learning about, like, how to make the sound of an underwater basket at this camp? I hope so. I mean, what are we paying for if, if he doesn't? Anyway, back on track. What other collections does Rob have aside from his wooden boxes and his little Batman? Right. So Rob has another small collection, um, but worrisome, of weird bottles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'll see there's a picture of the four of them. Okay. For, for the most part, this, this is fine. However, the one that it started with is, uh, I'm, I am pretty sure it's cursed. And he brought this into our home. And so I feel like he does not have a leg to stand on when he is talking about whether something is tacky or not. So I presume you're referring, I mean, all of these bottles look terrifying to me. Yes. yes. One of them looks like an old, an old timey jug that you would sort of blow over in a jug band. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And that one is covered in leather. Oh, exactly. There's actually two covered in leather in that, that picture. (laughs) Ah, uh, that's a tactile clue that I didn't need. <laughs> then, then there's then there's one that looks like a possessed Aztec owl, mm-hmm, which is very mm-hmm. scary. That is the one. That's the one that you find scary. You don't. Oh, that's the one you find scary. That's the one I find scary. Yes. You don't find the 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 pitch black beaker that is covered in leather with a chain on it <laughs> and looks like something Edward Gorey would use to murder Dracula. I I mean I think if you're if I'm having to pick out the cursed object in this one it's definitely the one with the Aztec bird face on it. I will have to note that the the um the one covered in in leather with the chain on it what you probably can't see but it has what appear to be um kind of depictions of a crusade um etched etched into it uh so uh-huh. in my mind it's definitely the creepiest but but to each their own. Yeah. You ever open this bottle? Uh, they have all been opened and, and cleaned out. Um, now we they, all have to in... curse, Rob. <laughs> yes. Yep. Where are you finding these weird bottles, Rob? Um, well, I have to say that the, the creepy um, Aztec-looking one was indeed also found on the side of the road in, in Seattle. Um, the, the other three oh. uh, were found oh, in no. antique stores. <laughs> what neighborhood are you traveling through? <laughs> They're just like random grandfather clocks and creepy bottles around. Not not the creepiest of neighborhoods. No, very as far as Seattle goes, a very normal neighborhood. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Weird. Weird stuff in Seattle, I guess. Rob, you have four of these bottles. This is a relatively new collection for you. Um, I've had the the Aztec looking bottle for uh probably close to a decade, but the other three are relatively new. So this is one more than Michelle's uranium glass mm-hmm. collection. That's true. Yep. 
It's true. I'd also like to point out that the the most normal looking bottle, the sort of yellow uh, glass one that's a ship light, actually, uh, also is a music box. It yep, <sighs> it plays a sort of sea shanty tune. Mm-hmm. How dry I am, I believe, is the name of the song. <laughs> And it uh, it 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 plays it um, only whenever you pick the bottle up, so you can so it starts, you know, playing the music box tune as you are pouring. It's pretty exciting. Uh, Monty, I think the podcast is over. I, I'm being completely out only childed by these two <laughs> lovable eccentrics. <laughs> I got enough. I'm just like wowie zowie. Time. I think I just got to go into the main woods and disappear at this point. Plus, probably I got the curse of the black bottle on me. Oh, okay, sure. I got to get it back together. You can do it. You can do it, John. You can do it, Judge John. <laughs> so Rob's collecting cursed bottles, mm-hmm. frankly, more alarming to me than the uranium glass. Plus, he has one more. Plus, mm-hmm. he's picking up speed. <laughs> Rob, what what leg, dare I say, peg leg, do you have to stand on while holding your sea shanty bottle? To to point a to point a crooked cursed finger at Michelle for collecting her stuff. Oh no, th- there's not a finger being pointed for collecting the uranium glass. It's primarily installing a permanent blacklight in a grandfather clock, and uh, you know, in order to further enhance the uranium glass collection. Monty, for a second, I forgot about the grandfather clock that Rob is turning into a <laughs> yeah, display yeah, case. Yeah. Not worried about the uranium glass at all. <laughs> I just need to tell everyone, go and look at the photos, including <laughs> the incredible photos of your incredible home. And there's other stuff to look at here, including a portrait of Am- Alexander Hamilton drawn in a Sharpie above a mantelpiece. Yes, There's a lot. And not. And I, I will say this mantelpiece this is above a fireplace that is, um, that is bracketed on the other side by m- more glass-covered cupboards that are, n- to no one's surprise, Full of board games, right? <laughs> They're just yes. packed full of tabletop, uh, esoteric tabletop board games. <laughs> these these kids are having so much fun in Seattle. Boy, oh boy! Did you remove some of the excess board games from the from the picture? The I, ones that can't fit in the cabinet right I now. I just cropped the pictures. Okay, so they were yeah, not just in cropped. it. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So you're saying you're saying that these. These cabinets that are shoved full of board games cannot hold your entire board game collection. The collection should be whittled down a bit. That is true. Uh Yeah. All right, Rob, what do you want to put in the grandfather clock? I'm I'm okay with putting the uranium glass in the grandfather clock. I I am concerned about um, expanding like the act of adding a blacklight to the grandfather clock and putting the uranium glass in it, I believe will turn it into um, a pure uranium glass clock display cabinet versus a display cabinet that could display the uranium glass and creepy bottles or or other things. You know, this is a real, real (laughs) hair you're splitting, Rob. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's it's the difference between, yeah, like making it, it, making this specific uranium glass glowing thing a centerpiece of our home versus a a thing to display our our various weird collections. What, you want to put your bottles in there? Um, I think there's there's bottles. I mean, there's cork trays. There's there's extra overflow glass that Michelle has. There's you know there's plenty of things that uh, we could use 
a an extra display cabinet for. You're okay with everything except uranium glass. And even then you're okay with uranium glass. You just don't want it to do what uranium glass does, which is light up under black light. Specifically, I'm worried about the black light, having a permanent black light in our in our house. Okay. Because it looks like garbage. Because they look like garbage. <laughs> and I'm yeah. worried about it looking like garbage in our dining room 365 days a year. Like you're you're okay. You're okay with having creepy bottles all over the place, but you don't want to turn your house into the haunted mansion. Exactly. Or only only the haunted mansion during the month of October, but but definitely not. Right. Right, right. When, it's re- yes. when it's re-themed to yes. Nightmare Before Christmas. Exactly. Directed by Henry Selleck. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I have to say that from time to time. Michelle, you have to acknowledge that things glowing in blacklight, whether it be a Scoprion or a Vaseline glass candy dish or a poster of a poster of a yellow spitting cobra, uh, you have to acknowledge this all looks pretty trashy. Sure. I mean, that's you. You also wouldn't find uh, uranium glass at Spencer's Gifts. So I, I did include in evidence some some example pictures uh, from the Internet of people who have uh, this displayed in their homes or in a what looks like a very nice antique store. Um, and I think if you look at these pictures that with just the uranium glass being under the black light, I think it looks quite nice. I think it's classy. Um, our home was built in 1916, so uh, I think you know this is this is of the uranium the age glass euros. Exactly, yes. So it would be very historically accurate to be showing this off in our home. Yeah, but look, I am looking at the same evidence that you sent me, <laughs> conveniently because I'm a professional, <laughs> and I I have to tell you something. Like, so this is a a, a display cabinet, non grandfather clock shaped, yes. regular display cabinet. With some nice uranium glass pieces in there, and it, they're black light illuminated, and they're glowing. They're glowing like a scoprion mm-hmm. in the desert. I got to tell you, Michelle, this is me personally. This looks a little goofy. <laughs> it looks spooky, <laughs> like spooky goof. You know what I mean? Spooky, goofy, scary ghost glass. What do you? What do you? How would you describe it, Monty? I would describe it as a beautiful display cabinet that's filled with things that you'd see in the entranceway to a roller rink slash laser tag place at a mall. I think that it looks like a beautiful display case that is full of all of the weird neon wearing gang members in Batman and Robin, (laughs) which was a weird blacklight scene in that movie. Or maybe a display case that um, was set up by Splinter to welcome his Ninja Turtle younglings back home to make them remember the glowing ooze that turned them into the mutants that they are. Uh, Michelle, look, we're, we're having fun. This stuff is really cool. I've never seen this before. I've never heard of this stuff before. It absol- I absolutely see why you love it. But you have to ad- admit it's a strong flavor. It, it is. Um, you know, I think uh, if you look at the the picture of the grandfather clock, though, it's it's pretty enclosed. Uh, the, yeah. dis- the display area is not huge. So I think right. using the clock as the display case is going to keep the collection contained. And I think unlike the example picture, which is, you know, sort of glass on all sides, I don't think you're going to get that uh, obnoxious Spencer's Gifts glow coming out of it quite as strongly. I, I would say the display cabinet picture, I'll, I'll, I'd, I'd also like us all to note that this is a picture taken in what looks to be the daytime. Um, and I am deeply mm-hmm. concerned about having a black light on 
in the evening evening hours and how much of a purple glow will, will be emanating from our dining room. I have to say, though, I didn't even look at this grandfather clock. This grandfather clock <laughs> also looks like something out of Edward Gorey's animated uh, introduction for mystery on WGBH. This is a spooky looking clock. I'm intending to to clean it up to make it look nicer. So it it came, you know, painted black. Um, I need to to restore it, um, you know, repair the wood some. And I was planning on, uh, you know, putting some kind of goldish embellishments on it to make it less pure, you know, Halloween spooky looking. Were you going to strip off this black paint and refinish it or are you going to keep the black? I was I was planning on just adding some goldish embellishments um, on kind of the the textured surfaces to make it kind of gold on black as opposed to just, you know, pure black. I had to say, if they're keeping black in the mix at all, Rob, this truly looks like a grandfather clock that was made to display a glowing candy face. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like it is very much the Haunted Mansion vibe. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that is the vibe I'm going for. Are you anti that vibe, Rob? Well, I mean, the rest of our house, like I would not be opposed at all to the, this vibe during the Halloween spe- season, but I don't think having the glowing, um, you know, bringing the Halloween vibe to our dining room um, 12 months out of the year is really, would really fit. Michelle, did you consider getting a, a different display case for either a different room or not a project that Rob was working on to to glow your uranium glass in? I, that's really why the collection has stayed small, is I, I really wasn't sure how to display it until we found this clock. And then it was like everything just uh-huh. clicked into place. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd been restraining myself, not buying a lot since we don't have a place for it. I just feel like if you're bringing uranium glass into your home, you're also bringing a black light into your home. I, I just I feel like those are two two great tastes that go great together. Yeah, but the your in this case is not just your house, Michelle. It's your all's house, the two of the three of you. And this is Rob's grandfather clock, is it not? I mean, who found it? I guess we both found it. We both brought it a few a few blocks over in pieces. I I had to I had to with the help of our ten year old son campaign to retrace our steps and go back for this grandfather clock and bring it into our home. Was Rob resistant to the grandfather clock? He was mostly because he, as oh. he stated earlier, uh, he doesn't think we need a second clock, which I agree with. So it was when I threw out the idea of using it as a display case that he he agreed. He thought that was a good idea. Rob, what did you think would be displayed? I guess... Uh, any of the junk you have lying yeah, around? Yeah, any, any of the junk we have a lot lying around, not not under blacklight. That was that was my expectation. You thought this might this might be over overflow storage for your board games and spoons? Exactly, exactly. I'll also say that I, I think I came up with a pretty good idea for for um where this this uh uranium glass could be displayed under blacklight in the clock just not quite in the way michelle was hoping let me hear your idea imagine a a hinged clock face that you can pull open to reveal a kind of secret layer of glowing uranium glass you know, display usually means showing something, not hiding. Exactly. It. You, you yes. are correct. 
<laughs> a secret display. I mean, I like. I, li- I mean, I li- I like it. I like secret rooms a lot, mm-hmm. and I presume you must have several of them. That's pretty cool. I do like that idea, but why is that not satisfactory to you, Michelle? Let me guess. Well, I again, I also like that idea, but I feel like it's hiding the really cool uranium glass that is in our house. I think we should use that for something else. I'll, I'm sure I can come up with another good option for what to put in there, but the glass is meant to be displayed. So I'll also throw out there, consider consider how um, we, we're all enthralled by the glowing uranium glass because we don't see it very often. If you have it in the house 365 days a year, glowing i i do feel like it's going to lose some of its luster it does feel michelle like rob is really working with you on this but on the other side it also feels a little bit like you're grasping at straws rob <laughs> like you, this is fun this is this is enjoyable slash nauseating at first but after a while it'll get boring and you won't like it anymore <laughs> do you have like a bad experience with a blacklight poster or a dorm room situation that this is bringing you back to. I did have a blacklight in my room as a as a teenager growing up, and uh, I I feel like I'm very very much done with that phase of my life. You know, you're you're a, you're a hobbyist and an avid and skilled woodworker uh, and restorer of grandfather clocks. You are a collector of of creepy cursed bottles. It seems to me like you're very much in on board with the vibe of your beautiful and eccentric home decor. So what was it that you grew out of? Not eccentricity, obviously. <laughs> what are the teenage years did you grow out of where you're like, uh, this is the childish thing I'm putting behind me. Bye-bye, blacklight. It's a very different vibe having a blacklight, I think, in your dining room versus having it in in a teenage bedroom. Does It, it feels juvenile to you. It feels, yes, Michelle, why does the grandfather clock have to be in the dining room? Um, mostly because that's just where it will fit the best in our house. You know, it it, it is pretty large, and that that was part of the the uh, the debate. Even just bringing it in the house is Rob told me I had to find a place for it, and it seems just like the best place where it fits is that corner of the dining room. Is there any other place in the house? where this thing could be that would be acceptable to you, Michelle? I mean, we could, I guess we could move it into our bedroom. (laughs) But I feel like he would find that to be much worse. (laughs) There is more space in the bedroom. Exactly. uh, It'd be a nice nightlight, you know, if you have to get up in the middle of the night to get a drink of water or something. Yeah, let's not even talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. What do you think about Rob's concerns that if you get that uranium glass in there with a black light on a timer, that that your collection of uranium glass is going to expand? I don't think it will, because I think it's the the clock and that display case that will keep it contained. The, the collection definitely will expand over, you know, to to fill to fill the the entire clock. Oh, correct? sure. Sure. Yes. yes. Uranium glass loves a vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> That's just science. How how many pieces of uranium glass do you think slash fear, Rob, she could shove into that grandfather clock? Oh, I mean, if she, she's got three now, I, I feel like that cabinet could either easily fit 15, 20. Michelle, would you be content with just three uranium glass pieces or four? 
I think what whatever fits nicely in the clock would be enough. I'm you know, I think between five and ten would be sufficient. I think that would look nice in there. I gotta disagree with you there. Cause I'm looking again at this piece of evidence you sent, the the display case with the uranium glass and it all lit up under black light. Mm-hmm. And and that's too much uranium glass in there. I, I would agree. And that I think that is a much bigger, much taller for sure than the grandfather clock that we have. Yeah, but for me, I'm looking at that and I feel like there should be one piece on each level. Right. Well, I, I mean, I think we stop the collection when it when it looks nice and finished. Does, does that mean that next time we go to an antique store that you're going to is it like a give a give a uranium glass take a uranium glass kind of situation whenever you find a a better looking piece yeah yeah sure it could be (laughs) you live in seattle where grandfather clocks line the streets surely there's a little free uranium glass library in your neighborhood (laughs) if there isn't we could start one it's always uranium in seattle wow monty sorry about that that's that's incredible no that's incredible so michelle once it has reached completion Mm -hmm mutually agreed completion would you then consent to a one out one in policy with uranium glass yes are you capable of that i am capable i find that a that seems like a very good solution if i were to rule in your favor michelle it says here that you want me to order that there be a black light in the case that can be turned off and on easily ideally with a timer so that it goes on in the evening when you come home from work and then turns off when you go to bed Even you are afraid to sleep in a house with glowing uranium glass in it. (laughs) Well, I mean, we're in Seattle. You know, we have to be environmentally conscious with our electricity use. Oh, I see what you're saying. So there'd be no illumination of any kind after bedtime. Right. Rob, you would like there to be no blacklight in the display case. Except for temporary blacklight during the month of October. I think. Your glowing uranium glass during spooky season is totally fine with me, but the other 11 months of the year, no. But how how complicated would it be to install a regular display light and a black light display light? You could toggle between them. I honestly have to figure out the logistics, assuming the ruling does not go in my favor. I feel like I have to figure out the logistics of how to install a permanent black light and try to make it not look tacky so i've got i've got some engineering to do regardless well no i mean black lights themselves are not tacky they're just bulbs i don't know if you know this has been a lot of innovation in black light technology since you were a teenager (laughs) yes it's just a bulb i but i guess i i have to figure out how to make it uh make the bulb hit bulb itself hidden minimize the amount of purple glow that will be emanating throughout my dining room you really just don't like the glowing uranium glass you don't like glowing stuff the glowing stuff in the dining room 12 months out of the year is the worry for me i find this uranium glass to be pretty nauseating without glowing (laughs) no offense I, i don't mean that in a taste way i just mean like it just it just looks it's kind of snot green, you know, like are you truly okay with the uranium glass period, Rob? Like yeah. if there was no black if they didn't glow, if there's no option, mm-hmm. would you be okay with having these pieces in the grandfather clock? Yes, yes, totally. I think I've heard everything I need to in order to make my decision. I'm going to crawl into this niche in the in the basement, uh, to sip from a casco of Montiato and hope that 
Rob and Michelle, don't brick me in while I'm figuring out my verdict. I'll be back in a moment with my decision. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. This has been an interesting case. Rob, I need to know, did you send your child to Foley camp to make the special effects for the horror movie that you are obviously developing in your very creepy house? He also went to a stop motion animation camp a few weeks ago. So, so yes, the combination of Foley and, uh, and clay and horror uh, d- doesn't sound too bad. Michelle, are you okay with displaying these uranium glasses, not inside an atomic clock, maybe in an already existing cabinet that you have somewhere with a tiny hidden black light that on occasion would illuminate them? I I mean, I think that would be nice. I, I think Rob would argue just as strongly against that, it, perhaps more strongly. Well, we'll see what the judge has to say all about this when we come back in just a moment. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Monty, we are taking a break from the case. What do you have coming up on the fabulous 413? By the time you hear this, we'll have been at Tanglewood, broadcasting with our Tanglewood correspondent who happens to be the conductor of the Boston Pops, Keith Lockhart. And hopefully, if all went well, we were able to convince former Boston Pops conductor and potentially one of the most important musicians of the latter half of the 20th and early part of 21st century, John Williams, as part of the show. But you'll have to listen to it wherever podcasts are available and see if we were able actually able to achieve that or not. Even if we didn't, we have lots, we have a podcast every day pretty much. So yeah, you buried the lead, by the way, who needs John Williams when you got Keith Lockhart? Well, that's true. Keith Lockhart's been on a bunch of times and he's, he's great. I got to perform with him in the Boston Pops a couple of times. What a great bunch. If you're in Boston or anywhere, the Boston Pops might be touring, go see them. And you can listen to, obviously, you can listen to The Fabulous 413 anywhere you get your podcast. And Monty, you and your co-host, Khalees Smith, are total delights. And uh, and it's a totally fun show. So go check that out. So, Joel Mann, uh, I believe I heard some uh, pledge driving here at WERU. You had the big pledge drive earlier this month. Yes, it was went really well. We thank everyone out there for their support. 35 years. 35 years yeah. of uh, of community radio yep. here in, in Orland, Maine. 
And, uh, and, but that doesn't mean that people can't uh, offer their financial support. to You the can go now. to WERU.org anytime. And there's a little donation button. And All right. You hit that. All right. Even though it's not the pledge drive, I am lifting the ban on your pledging to WERU. Because after all, W-E-R-U stands for we are you. I just remembered that the other day. We are you. <laughs> very, very clever. So as far as me, your 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 little old friend, Judge John Hodgman, oh, I got nothing really coming up uh, except for a massive tour. That's right. We are closer than ever to the Van Freaks Roadshow. That's where me and Jesse Thorne are going to go out there and uh, dispense justice throughout uh, the UK, parts of Europe, and much of the United States of America. And uh, we're calling it Van Freaks Roadshow because we both love Antiques Roadshow and we are both, and Jesse especially, fans of the Mitsubishi Delica Japanese market-only adventure van. Where can you drive your Delica? I don't know. Can you get to Dublin, Republic of Ireland, London, Lexington, Kentucky, Chicago, Illinois, Madison, Wisconsin, St. Paul, Minnesota, Austin, Texas, Atlanta, Georgia, Durham, North Carolina, Charlottesville, Virginia, Washington, D.C., Portland, Maine, Boston, Massachusetts, Brooklyn, New York. Get your Delica there. You can see us dispense justice in all of those cities, as well as surprise special guests of all kinds. It's going to be a lot of fun. And remember, we need cases for these shows. Now, we're starting to get some in. If you have a dispute, if you're coming to the show uh, and you're bringing someone, figure out what's wrong with them. Figure out what your dispute is with that person. No case is too small. Just write to me via MaximumFun.org slash JJHO and make sure you let us know uh, which town you're in. And we'll consider your dispute for hearing right there live up on stage. It'll be a lot of fun. VanFreaksRoadShow.com is where you can get all the tickets, all the information. I'll say it again. VanFreaksRoadShow.com. All one word, except for the dot. Go there now. Get your tickets. Send in your cases. MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. VanFreaksRoadShow.com. Let's get back to the case. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom and presents his verdict. So first of all, I feel I have perhaps misrepresented your home, Robin Michelle, by referring to it as a place that I might be detained or murdered in. Um, I have made reference to the Haunted Mansion. All of these things are not exactly right. Your house is beautiful and inviting and cool and interesting and pretty much in balance. Its decor offers glimpses of your interests and your eccentricity, but it is not putting it in your face. You've decorated it in a very, very loving and careful way to reflect the colors and tones of the arts and crafts movement, but while also putting in the corners obviously little elements of yourself and your your haunted bottles, which are distinctly creepy. They look good in here. And your board games are contained, for the most part, well within those cases. It looks good. You're doing a great job. I will say that uh, you are nearing a point where you are going to have to do some purging. And, you know, a collection, even one with a display case, can pretty much become a kind of hoard. Uh, when you don't have room for your extra spoons. Before I make my ruling, I just wanted to give you that that's my, my, that's my impression. I don't know if that tracks with the way you both are feeling in your home, but it's a good idea to check in with each other. Because obviously Rob is a little concerned that 
Michelle, you're on to a new thing and you're running out of room to the point that you're having to scavenge grandfather clocks off of the streets in order to hold this new thing. That is fair. Now, as for this uranium glass, I had never heard of it before. This case, I find it really fascinating. I think you can, I think you can hear in my voice, I think when I said the word nauseating, that it is not to my taste. But I think it's super cool and an interesting part of history. And I completely understand why it is to someone else's taste, specifically you. And Rob doesn't seem to mind it so long as it is not glowing. But Michelle, you do raise a really interesting point. Why, why should there be radioactive glass in my home if it's not to glow? Mm-hmm. What is the point of uranium glass if not to glow? Exactly. And I have to say that there has never been a grandfather clock that so thoroughly calls out for a uranium glass collection than this creepy clock that you found. I have real reservations about how this clock is going to fit in. Your house is in balance now. This clock, I don't care how much golden filigree Rob puts on it, and he's clearly a talented and skilled craftsperson, but it's going to look very goth. And that's not a vibe that you have in your house right now. I really have hesitations and I understand where Rob is coming from. I think that he's been very, very uh, agreeable insofar as he actually let the thing into the house that you share and is working to restore it because you and your, your only child want it. And that's super cool of Rob. And I respect the line that Rob is trying to draw at the glowing. I mean, it is a real look. But we have to see it. We got to see what it looks like. We got to have to see. We have to see it. I need to see it. I need to see it in this world. I think that it would not be particularly difficult if you're going to install lighting in the clock at all. I do not think it is going to be particularly difficult to install a black light alternate in there. And I encourage you, Michelle, to do the work and the research to work with Rob to figure out how to do this if it's possible and to acknowledge if it's not possible. But if it is possible, my order is to install the blacklight and complete the project. My further order is there will, shall be no timer and there shall be no time when Rob is forced to endure the nauseating image of floating ghost glasses in the clock that he is working to restore on your behalf. <laughs> the only time that you may turn on the black light and keep it on is October 31st and maybe a couple days before. And then the only other time when you may turn on the black light is when Rob isn't home <laughs> or you are sitting in the dining room looking to enjoy it yourself or showing your collection off to a friend or you and your, you and your, chi- your only child are enjoying it but it can't be on during dinner time. And the final order is that when you get this project done, that you really look at it with a hard eye, obviously send us a photo, but you need to look at it with a hard eye and see if it really fits in that corner. So I'm technically ruling in, well, you know what? I'm going to say that I'm ruling in Rob's favor because he deserves it. He deserves the win. (laughs) Thank you, Judge. Because as far as you're concerned, Rob, you only ask that, the, that you complete your project and, and 
only have a black light on during October. And as far as you're concerned, that's the only time you will see this black light. It's the only time you will see it. This is the sound of a gavel. Judge John Hodgman rules that is all. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom the wisdom of Solomon there, I think he's come up with a remarkable compromise. And I'm frankly slightly shocked that it's come out that way. But Rob, how are you feeling about having to alter this grandfather clock in a way that will both please your wife, Michelle, and please your eyes for every day other than Halloween? It feels like a very fair judgment to me. It's a nice compromise. I appreciate the words of wisdom on the the decor in general and, um, you know, keeping the collections in check. And Michelle, if you see this grandfather clock that is super goth and going to glow in the dark like the clothes that Ken wears in the new Barbie movie and recognize that it might be too much, would you be willing to admit that eventually? Yes. Yes. I, I think the judge is correct. And once once this project is completed, we can we can really look at it with a critical eye and see if it really is the right thing for that space. Michelle and Rob, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Another case in the books. Before we dispense some swift justice, we want to thank Redditor, the Gray Brewer, for naming this week's episode No Glow Contendere. Join the conversation over at the Maximum Fun subreddit over at MaximumFun.reddit.com. We'll be asking for title suggestions there, too, so keep an eye out for those. Evidence and photos from the show are posted on our Instagram account at Instagram.com slash Judge John Hodgman. Make sure to follow us. Judge John Hodgman was created by Jesse Thorne and John Hodgman. This episode was engineered by Robert Jacob Springer at KUOW in Seattle and by Joel Mann at WERU in Orland, Maine. Marie Barty runs our social media. Our producer is Jennifer Marmer. Now let's get to swift justice where we answer. Wait one second. There seems to be someone missing from the credits. Monty Belmonte of New England Public Media is our is your summertime fun time. Guest bailiff, and it's so nice to be resuming my summer with you by my side, and I, I'm really glad to hear your voice. Thank you for joining us, Monty. But now, shall we get to Swift Justice? Yes, we shall. David says, I did a comedy panel show, and my little brother heckled me. My parents said that he's just a kid, but he was 36 at the time. This is why there should only be only children, because... Those babies of the family get to be babies their whole lives. They get to be just kids their whole lives. And the older the older siblings have to be the responsible ones. And the babies get to just be babies. And the middle children just get lost. Stop babying that baby brother, 36 years old. And by the way, humans, stop heckling people at comedy shows. It's not funny. It's not cool. You look dumb. It's terrible. Stop it. So this has been a very context-specific episode of Judge John Hodgman because, as you know, if you've been following along week by week, you know that I've been in Maine, hanging out here with Joel, sometimes talking with Monty. Then I had to go back to Brooklyn, New York to take care of some of my business there and, and, and march on the strike line. And then I'm back in Maine. And if you're listening out of order or, you, you know, it's, it's years into the future or whatever it is. You might be like, what is the context I'm missing here? What is Maine? Does Maine still exist in the future? I don't know. So I think that I think that I want to record a couple of evergreen episodes in the future. Do you know what I mean? Like just evergreen episodes of Judge John Hodgman. So I'm asking you for your evergreen disputes. Do I mean disputes that uh, are not context specific, that are 
sort of like time, timeless disputes. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No, I mean disputes about evergreen trees. If you live in the pine tree state of Maine, any dispute is allowable, so long as it references pine trees. But of course, I'm looking for all of your disputes on any subject, particularly if you're going to be coming to one of our shows on tour, which you've heard all about already. Send all your disputes, including your evergreen disputes, into MaximumFun.org slash J-J-H-O. Thanks again to Joel and Monty for keeping me company today. Thanks again to our litigants. And we will talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network. Of artist-owned shows. Supported. Directly. By you.